Hey everybody, welcome to the Orchard Community Church Online. We're super glad you're with us today, and uh, if you're here every week or most weeks, welcome back, glad you're here today. If this is your first time, welcome to you, we're glad you're joining us here for our service online. Uh, my name is Jeff, I'm the location pastor at our Ocala location, and uh, it's, uh, I'm really glad to, to hang out with you guys today here online uh, for what we call a Location Pastor Sunday. It's uh, one of those Sundays that is not part of our regular series, and we we kind of spread those out, and today is one of those days. And so uh, I really am looking forward to spending a few minutes with you this morning in God's Word, and uh, just to encourage you wherever you are in your walk with Christ. You know, these are exciting days here at the Orchard Community Church. Exciting, but also challenging days. We've expanded our location and are uh, continuing to add family churches to uh, kind of our network of people that we're a part of uh, with their churches and their locations. And uh, I just told you I was a location pastor at Ocala location, our, our newest location really at this point. And uh, really some really exciting things going on in Ocala. Uh, we're seeing new people and adding new people and making a difference there in our community. Had our first baptism there on Easter Sunday and uh, uh, so really excited about what God's doing in Ocala and Marion County. And, and then, of course, uh, our next location is already in the wor works there in Branford today. Uh, they'll be having a second uh, planning meeting, meeting with some folks down there that are interested in being a part of that new location. And so, again, exciting uh, but challenging days. Last year, you may remember that uh, Pastor Chip talked to us about really uh, the vision that God has placed on his heart, the heart of our pastors here at the Orchard, about impacting thousands of people with the gospel in our area, and really seeing that happen over the course of the next five years. Exciting, challenging days. Out of everything we do and what we can do as the orchard, as we continue to grow and share the gospel, we recognize more and more how dependent we are on God and His power to see those things happen. In fact, what I would say is that out of everything we can do, one of the things that we must be more committed to than ever before is that of prayer. Unless we pray, I don't believe we'll ever see God do the things that we believe He wants to do and can do. If we want to see God at work, it requires us, His children, to pray. And the reality is that prayer is missing from many Christians' daily lives, and truthfully, even from many of our churches. Thomas Watson was a Puritan pastor, and he said this as he described prayer and the importance of prayer. He said, prayer delights God's ear. It melts his heart. It opens his hands. God cannot deny a praying soul. But let's be honest, right? Prayer is something that we often struggle with. Even faithful people readily will admit that prayer sometimes seems difficult. We understand prayer is a spiritual discipline that involves spiritual warfare and pushing back darkness and speaking about things with God from our heart and our mind and the things that are going around us in our world. And the result of that is, because it is often difficult, is that the result is many people give up on prayer or have given up on prayer sometimes way too fast. Samuel Chadwick was uh, a leader in the Methodist church and a preacher and a theologian. And he talked about how when we give up on prayer, what we're really doing is kind of playing into the enemy's hands. He said it this way, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom. 
but trembles when we do pray. So maybe today prayer is one of those things that just kind of seems out of reach for you. Maybe you've decided too quickly that prayer is mysterious or hard, as we've said, or maybe even truthfully ineffective because you didn't see quick results that you thought you needed or that you thought were pressing on you at the time. But God has been clear. He desires to hear our prayers. He desires to answer our prayers and speak to us through our prayers. So when we don't pray, ultimately we're refusing His voice. And in these exciting and challenging days here at the Orchard, I believe that we need to be praying more than ever before, that we need to be committed and dedicated to praying. So I thought I would spend our time together here on this Location Pastor Sunday looking at the need of prayer, not just for the Orchard, but for the entire world around us. And I want to take us to a very familiar passage of Scripture to some of us, and some will hear it for the very first time. It's a passage of Scripture where God reveals to the prophet Jeremiah the truth about prayer, the power about prayer, and what He, God, will do when we pray. Let me read that for you. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 33, and I just want to look at those first three verses. He writes and says, While he was still confined in the guard's courthouse, that is Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. The Lord who made the earth, the Lord who forms it to establish it, the Lord is his name, says this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. It's such a simple statement, right? Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. And what led to that conversation? And, and before we unpack those verses for just a couple of minutes today, I kind of want to give you some background. I, I want to kind of lay the groundwork of what led to that moment. See, in the life of Israel at that time, there was lots of turmoil, there was lots of conflict, and there was lots of uncertainty. There was this great empire called the Babylonians that were marching towards Jerusalem. In their path, they were wiping out all kinds of peoples and nations, making their way to conquer as much of the world as they possibly could. They had just successfully defeated a great people called the Assyrians, wiping them out. And the people in Israel, in Jerusalem particularly, were very, very afraid. They knew what was next. They knew the Babylonians were coming. And they knew they were no match for this great army that was coming uh, to defeat them. So the leaders in Jerusalem began to, to try to come up with a plan, a scheme of how do we get out of this? How do we escape? How do we save ourselves? And many of them believed that they should align themselves with another great nation, Egypt. And those two come together and try to fight the Babylonians. And there was no guarantee that Egypt was in on this or wanted that. But this was something the leaders in Jerusalem thought might be a plan to explore. Jeremiah, the prophet, in turn tells them what, what they really didn't want to hear. Uh, and to just kind of summarize that, if you were to look back and you would see, what he essentially says is this. God says, you're going into captivity. The Babylonians are coming, essentially, and they are going to defeat you. What you really should do is go to them and simply surrender. Well, clearly, no one liked his thoughts. No one liked his idea at all. Why would we want to surrender? We're God's people and we don't understand all this. What do you mean we're going into captivity? And they get so angry that to silence him, they throw him into prison. And that's where he is, confined in the guard's courtyard. Now in prison, Jeremiah, 
hears from God. And from that, we hear this conversation where God really reveals his heart. Call to me. I will answer you. I will show you or tell you great and incomprehensible things you don't know. God opens his heart to him and says to Jeremiah, talk to me. Pray. So I want to share, breaking that that verse apart, that statement from God, three things to hopefully encourage you to pray like never before. And maybe you're thinking about the things that are happening here at the orchard and all the excitement and the joy that comes from that. Or maybe you're thinking even beyond that and you're looking at the world around us and you're saying, man, things are really tough right now. Things are hard. Whether it's inflation or whether it's conflicts in places like Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine, or maybe it's something personal, something in a relationship or something to do with your life and you're just really struggling. I think what God says to Jeremiah is so applicable and so important for you and I that I don't want you to miss that. So let me share these three things with you very quickly today. The very first thing that we're encouraged to do is God encourages us to simply pray, call to me. Call to me. That's what he says in verse number three. Jeremiah was in prison and probably had some time to pray. It wasn't a whole lot else he could do or accomplish while there. So God challenges him. Hey, while you're here, let's talk. Pray to me. I don't want any of us to be in that kind of situation, but I do believe that God in those kinds of moments will bring from circumstances and situations in our lives an opportunity to teach us how to talk to him, how to pray. You know, usually when we face the hard stuff, our first prayer, our first thought is, whether we call it a prayer or not, is just get me out of this. I don't want to be here. We want God to fix the problem or the problems immediately, change the situation for the better, and make everything right. Get me out of this. We don't want to face suffering. We don't want to face hardship. What we find, though, in Jeremiah's story is he is in prison simply waiting. We don't hear him complaining. We don't hear him lamenting his circumstances. Instead, God comes into those circumstances and says, call to me. Speak to me. Let's discuss these things. And what Jeremiah learns is he comes to understand that his difficult situation had a higher purpose. And I want you to hear that today because I believe our difficult circumstances, our tough situations also have a higher purpose, particularly as followers of Jesus. He is doing something greater through the things that we are struggling with sometimes the most. God's instruction of call to me was very clear, very succinct. Not as a last resort call to me, but now in the middle of it all, while you're facing this, while you don't know what's going to happen next, call to me. So right now, you're facing something huge. Maybe it's frightening. Maybe it feels so overwhelming to you right now, you're not sure how you will even survive it. You need to hear God saying to you today, call to me. You may have heard this. I don't know who said it, but I've heard preachers use this quote so often, and and I kind of put it in the notes today, and that is this, the shortest distance between, uh, the shortest distance rather between a problem and a solution is the distance between our knees and the floor. The shortest distance between our problem and a solution. Our knees to the floor. Meaning, call to me. The second thing that uh, God instructs Nehemiah is this. uh, Call to me, and then he says, 
I will answer you. God promises to answer us. I will answer you. Is that strange to you? Because I think for many people, reason number one that they give up on prayer is that often they don't believe that God answers them. I mean, we like the idea that God answers prayer, but truthfully, for some of us, we've not prayed because we're not sure that God has ever answered our prayers. So I want you to hear this today. When God says he will do something, he'll do it. It'll be done. And what does God say? Call to me and I will answer you. That's a promise that we can cling to and trust him for. And that may be hard for you to accept. It may be something that you just really are saying, I want to believe that, but I'm just not sure. So I would say this, that while you may have doubts that God really answers prayers or your prayers specifically, or that God only answers certain kinds of prayers, don't doubt his promise. If God says, call to me and I will answer you, then you need to settle that and decide once and for all you're going to believe that. Does God answer your prayers? Do you believe he will? Those are problematic questions for us. But when we settle that doubt that, yes, God does answer prayers, then we can move forward in faith and trust him like never before. For the good things that are going on, rejoicing and praising him as he pours out those blessings. Or for the difficult times where in the middle of the situation we call to him and know, assurance, assuredly know that we have the assurance that he is going to answer those prayers. So I, I would say it like this. The question isn't, does God answer your prayers? The question we should be asking is, how does God answer your prayers? If we believe his promise, it's not a matter of does he anymore, but how does he answer those prayers? You may have heard preachers talk about those things of, of how God answers yes, no, wait, maybe all those kind of things. I want to unpack that a little bit, but I don't want us to get hung up on those simple little thoughts that uh, maybe this is a yes, maybe this is a no, or maybe it's a wait. Instead, I want you to see why those responses are there. Because first of all, if God answers with a yes, we like a yes response. When we get a yes, that's when we shout, God answered my prayer. We're quick to talk about the power of prayer in those moments of yes. We're quick to conclude, yes, God answered my prayer. But when he says no, what is our response? I mean, we're never happy with a no. We're sometimes like the little child, right, who gets the no, you can't have that, and we begin to pout or sulk, or we even get angry at times. I needed a yes in this. I wanted a yes for this, and why does it have to be no? When no is the answer, we want to try to figure out why, and then we want to see how we can change the answer, how we can change God's mind to a yes. So we bargain, we plead, we look for something that might have caused him to say no so that we can come back and say, oh, okay, I know this was wrong. I know I said it like this, but here's what I really want, thinking that somehow or another the answer might change in our favor. We rarely think, though, that no may be the very best thing that he can answer us with, that no was the right answer, the best answer for us in that situation so that God could do the most for us. Maybe the third part of that idea of yes or no or the wait or not now is that idea of waiting. We, we're, we're impatient people. And usually the problem is we come to God in prayer at the moment of desperation, at the moment where things seem to be the worst. And because of that, we need immediate response. We need immediate release. And so if God in that doesn't say yes, doesn't say no, but in some way leaves us 
hanging and wondering when that answer will come. We think that God doesn't care. We're looking for an instant answer, and his answer of wait or not not yet frustrates us because prayer usually is seen as a crisis response. Our time, we feel, is so imperative that God must answer immediately, never factoring into any of that that God's timing isn't our timing. And so we have to conclude that if we are going to call on him, that he will answer us. Not because we hope so, but because he promised so. And then he concludes that verse with, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. God will tell us great things. Isn't that a thought? That, that, that always captures my attention when I read this passage because I'm thinking that's incredible that this great God, this creator of the universe, this God who knows and sees everything is willing to, as we speak to him in prayer and he responds to us in prayer, that he will tell us great things. This past week on Monday, uh, I did one of the hard things that happens uh, from time to time in ministry. I preached a funeral for a 46-day-old little boy named Riker. The diagnosis that his parents received before he was born was one of not survival. And, and while he lived 46 days, it's tough because God is this giver of life, right? And God, the giver of life, we begin to think of life in years and decades and centuries even. And for this precious family, they're life that God blessed them with, this little baby boy, was 46 days. The most natural thing to ask, and I know that as we gathered there at Graveside for this service, that it was being asked, maybe not out loud, but in our hearts, and that was, why? Why did this have to happen? Why did this beautiful little 46-day-old baby not survive? And that's life, isn't it? The curveball, the unexpected, the baffling, the hard, the confusing, the moments and seasons of heartbreaking situations. So I think we need to make certain we understand that when God says, call to him and I will answer you and I will tell you, I will tell you great and incomprehensible things that we need to hold on to that. We may not always understand why. We may never get the answer to why to those tough situations. But he promises us that he will tell us great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. So what does he mean when he says that to Jeremiah? What does that mean for you and I? I mean, with the thousands and thousands of mysteries about life, there are thousands of things that through life just don't make sense to us. So what are these great things? What are these incomprehensible things that he wants to tell us, that he promises to tell us? Is it in those tough situations that he's going to say, let me explain to you why? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe even probably not. So what I've come to understand in my prayer time and facing days like this past Monday with this family or other situations in my life is this, that there are a couple of things that God tells us that are important for us to navigate through this life with greater trust and greater faith in Him regardless of our circumstances and situations. When God says, I will tell you great and incomprehensible things, 
First of all, I believe he's telling Jeremiah this and telling us this as well. I want to show you myself. I want to reveal more of me in this situation. I want to show you more about who I am and how much I love you. I believe we need to see him as greater, more valuable than anything else or anyone else we might gain in this world. And I think as he reveals himself through our prayers, we can see that clearly. Paul, the apostle, the great writer of the New Testament, faced some of those tough days, some of those why days. Why is this happening? Whether it was imprisonment or being stoned or being run out of town, he had to have had those moments. And here is how he concluded all of that as he saw himself falling more in love with Jesus, falling more in love with who he was and what he had for his life. As God revealed more of himself to Paul, Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi, uh, Philippians chapter 3, 7 and 8. Listen to this. He says, But everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them dung, so that I may gain Christ. Finding God in the middle of that, Paul concluded, Christ is more. There is more value there than anything else. Regardless of my tough situations, I know he loves me and he is with me. And that is far more important. Is that where you're at today? Or do you need to call to him so that he can answer you and he can tell you great and incomprehensible things, show you more of himself? Because when we pray, we can never forget that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and already there with us. The second thing and final thing I would say to you today is this. Not only does he want to show us more of himself, I believe he wants to show us what he can do and what he can do alone. When we get out of the way, when we give him control and let him lead us, that's when we really see what he can do. Uh, The psalmist wrote it like this in Psalm 46. One of my favorite psalms in those last verses, Psalm 46, verses 8 through 11, he says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then God speaks and says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What an incredible promise as God begins to tell us and show us what he alone can do. He says, the psalmist says, behold the works of the Lord, how he brings desolations on the earth, making wars to cease and breaking up armament and armies and reminding us that as he defeats our enemies, we can be still. We can stop trying to force it. We can stop trying to make it happen in our power and just allow him to tell us, to show us these great and incomprehensible things that we did not know before. Maybe simple of all, be still and know that I am God. So these days that we're in, where we're seeking God to use us to make an impact in our community as the Orchard Community Church, we need to pray. As we face those daily struggles and situations, the good and certainly the difficult, we need to pray. And maybe prayer has been one of those disciplines that's just not been something you've been comfortable with. Can I just challenge you to do it as simply 
as what he says to Nehemiah or to Jeremiah here, call to me. You say, well, I'm not sure what I'd say. Maybe tell him that. Maybe simply say, God, I'm calling out to you and I'm not sure what to say. What is his promise to that? I'll answer you. What is his further promise to that? I will tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. Start the conversation and then listen. I promise you that one of the greatest things you will do with your life as a follower of Jesus is engage in the discipline of prayer. To spend the time just simply talking to God. And I promise you that God does answer and he will tell you great and incomprehensible things. Hey, maybe the truth is today you need somebody to pray for you. Maybe you're seeking some help. Maybe you're needing to have some questions about your faith or your relationship with Christ. We have people online here, whatever platform you're watching on, ready to speak to you and answer you and talk to you and pray with you. And so we really encourage you to reach out and do that today. Maybe you just want to join others in praying. Maybe you even would share a prayer request or say, hey, here's what I'm praying for and allow us to join you in that prayer. Whatever it is, heed the words that God gave to Jeremiah. Call to me and then rest in the promise. I will answer you and I will tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. Those are promises that we can lean in on. Those are promises that we should trust and then we will know more about who he is and what he can do. And there is no one greater, and there is no one who can do what God can do alone. It's been great hanging out with you today. Know this, I'm praying for you. I am so thankful that you're a part of what we're doing here at the Orchard Community Church. And in the days ahead, because God is answering prayers, we're going to see some of those great things come to pass. So let's get excited about that together. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we call to you today, just as you commanded the prophet Jeremiah, And we ask today, Lord, that you hear our hearts. I'm not sure what all the prayers that are flooding you right now from different ones that are watching and listening to this service, what those prayers are, how personal they are, or how broad they are, what they're praying about, maybe somebody specific or something specific, or maybe just asking God, the simple thing is use me or show me or grow my faith. But whatever it is, Lord, I'm thankful today that your promise is that when we call to you, you answer our prayers. And so, Lord, today we pray knowing, expecting, and rejoicing already in the answers that you are giving to us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.